Equine health is our business. Horses and education are our passion. Welcome to the EquiConnect podcast. Here we have case-based conversation and talk about interesting news and information with the goal of sharing knowledge, focusing on equine health. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship. Welcome to our latest episode of our Equine Connect podcast, brought to you by McKee Pownell Equine Services. I'm Mike Pownell, along with Karen Fell. Today, we are joined by our resident body worker, Marnie Raymond. Welcome, Marnie. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. For our newer listeners, could you please tell us about your voyage through the horse world that has led you to where you are today? Oh, that's a very long story, but it's a good one. I guess it would be 20 plus years ago. I moved to Toronto from Windsor to become a full-time FEI show groom. I needed to immerse myself in horse country and you just can't do that in Windsor. So I started grooming full-time and our horses obviously had their own team of chiropractors and massage therapists at the time. And I remember just talking with our massage therapist and watching her work and thinking, wouldn't it be nice if I could provide that myself just for the horses that I was grooming for at the time? That was my idea. Got this whole team of horses. Why don't I provide them with the service? It's another way for me to connect with them and just to know a bit more intimately what's going on with them because you need them to be in top form. But as a massage therapist, because your hands are on them all the time, you can recognize if there's something going on that maybe needs some attention or some veterinary care. So that was my idea when I started the whole process. So the woman that actually massaged our horses at the time ran her own school. So that's who I ended up taking the course with and became a massage therapist. Through, I practiced on our own horses and then slowly people are like, oh, can you do mine? And oh, I've got one more for you to look at. And oh, so-and-so has a horse. Can you do hers? I ended up uh, knowingly developing a bit of a practice without really looking for one, but that's how life works. That was 18 years ago that I graduated from school for that. And in the meantime, you know, there's been little courses you take just to keep up on stuff. And then I learned to tape and I learned a bit about acupressure and you just meet a lot of people along the way. So you're always kind of picking up new stuff or trying new stuff. So in the last year and a half, almost two years, I've started school to become an equine osteopath, which has been like the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Like I really found what I needed to do. And it's something that I looked at for many years, but you can't fit that kind of education into a groom schedule. Anybody who's listening to this or has a groom knows it's eight days a week, 46 hours a day, like there's no time for school. So when the opportunity finally presented itself and the time was there, I jumped at the chance and it's just been kind of blowing my mind since. Can't wait to graduate and start practicing. Uh, We're going to dig into that for sure later on, but you've mentioned a lot of training that you've done and I know Karen will ask you specifically about that, but what forms of body work do you provide? Because you do a lot. I do a lot. At the core of what I do is definitely massage therapy. But even massage therapy alone has different techniques and ways to approach body work. So I do a lot of acupressure. I've taken courses for that. 
myofascial release, which is a tool that I use a lot, as well as physiotaping, such a great supportive therapy for what I do. And I also do PEMF therapy, and I use the Beamer blanket in my sessions quite often. You got a big toolbox. I do. Yeah, and it's growing. Good. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's on wheels now. I don't carry it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that massage therapy is at the core of your your toolbox. What is equine massage therapy? In its simplest form, I use my hands to manipulate soft tissue, which is the same as human. It's just different anatomy. But I think the important thing for people to realize about massage therapists and, and a good massage therapist is that we know our anatomy and physiology. Good therapist is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I want to interject here because we talk about good therapists, but I know there are people that do weekend courses yeah. and call themselves quote unquote massage therapists. And yeah. That's kind of not really enough. I feel like you need to vet your therapist. There's a lot of amazing people out there who know what they're doing for sure somebody who has an education that goes beyond a weekend course, I think is important. Well, I think it's great for horse owners to take those courses to be able to provide their own horses for some relief. There's so much to know that even after 18 years and now school again, there's still things that blow my mind and fascinate me. So it's kind of probably like when I did you know, before I was a vet as a farrier, I did my first farrier course. It was two weeks. And I realized I know enough to be really dangerous right now. Exactly. And so I need to really get a lot more educated because I can screw up horses with just just a swipe of a rasp. I don't want to knock anybody who, who takes those courses, but I think those courses are a stepping stone to many more courses and hands-on work and... I don't want to talk anybody down for taking those courses, and there's a time and a place for them, but when you're looking for somebody to really help your equine as an athlete or whatever, palliative care even, you want somebody who knows what they're doing and is continuing to educate themselves on the new things that we find all the time. So I think you need to find somebody who knows their anatomy and physiology, where do muscles start, where do they insert, what muscles work together. Because if you don't know, how do you know that one muscle is compensating for a group of five muscles that should be working together? Or one side of the body is working harder than the other side of the body. You need to be able to feel these things and recognize these things. And just palpating and touching as many horses as possible is the best way to learn that. But you got to have a basic idea of what is underneath that skin. What are the benefits of massage therapy? I would say the most obvious pain and inflammation range of motion, overall well-being, increased circulation. But there's contradictions. I mean, it's not for everything. There are contraindications to massage for sure. Obviously, if there's heat or swelling, call your vet first. Open wounds that are bleeding, call your vet first. Temperature for sure. If your horse is running a high temperature, massage does increase temperature when you're working on it, increased circulation. So you want to get that checked out vaccinations. I like to wait 48 hours before I treat and injections as well. If you're injecting any of your joints, kind of give the body a chance to fight for itself for a little bit and settle before you start working on the horses. Pregnancy and mares, you have to be really careful. You don't have to avoid it entirely. There is a large window in between that you can kind of play, but there are definitely certain areas that need to be avoided because you don't want to push things along faster than they should be pushed along. 
Well, I feel like we've covered your tool of equine massage. So I've, why don't we move along to PEMF? So what is PEMF? PEMF, or PEMF as it's now been uh, coined, is uh, Pulsed Electromagnetic Therapy. So if anybody's seen it before, it almost looks like a, a bit of a hose and it's connected to the machine. It's a high pulse machine. And what it does is, so what you're seeing visually is you hear it make a popping noise. And when it's held against the body, you see the muscles jump underneath. So what it targets mainly is cellular health. So when you have damaged or injured cells, they're no longer able to help move waste, take in oxygen, or help with pain and inflammation. They're too busy. So what the machine does when you hear that popping noise and you see that jump in the muscle, it pulls those negatively charged cells back to the surface and recharges them so that they're able to go back to doing what they should be doing. And so the fascinating thing about PEMF is, one, if you're holding it in an area where there is no damage, you will not see that muscle twitch. So I think some people think that it automatically, like a TENS machine almost, makes you have that reaction. So it doesn't. It really is only going to do that in areas that there is an issue. I sometimes use it as a tool if, you know, I just can't quite figure out what's going on. You can kind of map stuff with it. So by using it and holding over the body, and again, knowing your anatomy and physiology, you can kind of paint a bit of a picture of what's going on that maybe my hands can't because it can go 18 inches into the body. It can give me a better idea of what's going on. It's really a neat tool for, for that. I think, again, like massage, it's important that it's being used in the proper hands and that whoever's using that machine is trained to use that machine because as simple as it looks to use if somebody just puts it on your horse and cranks it up to high to get like a visual representation that something's going on you're not benefiting the horse the way that should be and can actually cause some damage so so a little is good a A little goes a long way i do i want to see a reaction in the body 100 percent because it's painting the picture but the horse doesn't need to be like sitting down every time you you hear that noise it is supposed to be a relaxing treatment for them. They shouldn't be stressed out about it. Keep that in mind when finding a practitioner. These are some great tips. I personally call it PEMF, so... It's becoming PEMF. I'm just going to throw it out there. (laughs) And another great tool that you have is also the Beamer. Yes, I love my Beamer. Beamer is also PEMF, but Beamer itself targets the circulatory system and the microcirculatory system uh, versus the cellular system that the bigger high pulse machines target and also directly affects the parasympathetic nervous system. So any of those horses that are a little bit spicy in the head and just need to chill out a little bit, what a tool to help just kind of bring things down a little bit. And circulation. I mean, circulation is life. So if you can help get circulation into areas that are suffering a little bit, you can make a big difference in the overall well-being of the animal. It's a great tool for using in conjunction with my treatments, specifically if we're not trying to look for something which I would use the bigger machine for, or, you know, there's not a real significant injury that we're dealing with. But like for overall wellness, Beamer can't be beat, really. I love it. I am very fascinated by this next tool that you have, and that is equine physiotaping. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. Also quite a magical tool. I mean, what can't tape do, to be honest with you? I don't think it's reached its full potential yet. Like, I don't think people realize just how handy of a tool it is and easy and affordable, really. You can use it for so many things. 
if you think you can support a muscle, let's say, you can support these tendon and ligament injuries in legs, you can help unwind fascial issues, taping the right way. Again, knowing your anatomy and physiology when it comes to taping things so that you can put your tape lines in the right location. But if you want to support an SI that's having a hard time, even if, let's say, you just got it injected, how do we support what we've just done and help the horse a little bit to elongate what we've just done? Or I massage a horse and it's got some real issues. Let's say, example, it's had tack on it that hasn't fit for a long time. Well, one massage is not going to deal with that situation. This is months of work we have to do. So if you can get some tape on that back to support it in between, you're looking at a massage 24 hours a day for however many days. And that stuff will hold up to, if I'm putting it on a clean, dry horse, weeks it can hold for. So there's a lot of situations, tight poles, or even horses that are a bit reluctant to be worked on with massage or something to begin with because it's just too painful. You can use that tape to get things started so that coming back a few weeks later, you might have a little more success because there's just a lot of the pressure is taken off, the inflammation is taken off, and it just feels better. You can use it for anything. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And you're saying that it can last up to a, like a couple of weeks on like a clean dry horse? Yeah. So clean dry horse, not a Shoshin clean dry horse. That stuff's slick. Nothing will stick to that. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't mean like, you know, it has to have a bath and be scrubbed within an inch of its life, but it's got to be clean. And after the tape is on, your horse can go back outside and he can roll in mud and he can roll in puddles and he can stand out in the rain and it's not coming off. But to start with, you got to have a good foundation. But after that, it will hold. I mean, there's certain situations. For instance, if I'm taping a hematoma, I need to change the tape every 24 hours because you are pulling fluid out you need to reapply but in most cases when i'm doing like a supportive taping for legs or the back yeah you can leave it on for weeks at a time that's great yeah this next one is your newest tool oh. your equine osteotherapy <laughs> i know this really fills your cup so i'm excited to talk about it yeah so it does fill my cup but i still have a year and a half to go and you've been doing it for two years I've been doing it for two years. Yeah, so there's like 14 modules. The next module is in September, and that's nine. And just so everybody knows, you're flying down to Texas. Yes, I'm going to good old Texas for these modules. It's hot in Texas, everybody. So it's fascinating because you know stuff and you don't know stuff. And osteopathy is such a big picture approach that some days you're like, oh, I get this, this is amazing. And then two hours later, you're reading something and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> How did I get here? And can I do this? But uh, such a supportive program for sure. Great mentors. So what is osteopathy, I guess? Like I said, it's, it's a whole horse approach. So we deal with three systems, the parietal system. So your locomotor system, your skeleton, your muscles. We deal with the cranial sacral system and how intimately the head and the sacrum are related and how they directly affect each other, which is fascinating. So if you ever have time to do deep dive, maybe we'll deep dive in another podcast into the craniosacral system because we could talk all day. And then thirdly, it's the visceral system. So what's going on on the inside and how does the inside of the horse affect that parietal system? 
how is a bladder, for instance, that is wrapped around in some fascia affecting your spine. And so osteopathy is a giant map, if you will, of neurology and how everything affects everything. And where do I start in unraveling this so that a horse is brought back into homeostasis and full vitality? And, you know, you don't have to deal with these other pathologies anymore that are kind of bringing our equine partners down all the time. Like, it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. <laughs> I just, I can't. Yeah. Every time can't. you come back from a trip, you're like a glow. You're like, oh, it's so, so magical. Much. Yeah. It's so much. Like, it's amazing. It's, you can't even, I mean, you could talk about it for hours and how things are linked. And every time I learn how the eye is linked to the shoulder and the brachial plexus, it can cause it to water. I'm like, how does this even, nobody thinks that way. It's, it's fascinating. And it's deep and scary and awesome. One thing I'd like to touch upon is I think you're in a unique position. And that is, I mean, you're a body worker working within a vet practice. And so you're, you know, it's a, a very collaborative approach. And also I know Dr. Kate Robinson, who's trained in veterinary spinal manipulation therapy or chiropractic. She went with you to one of these courses yeah. because there's some things you cannot do that only a vet can do. Yeah. So the visceral component of osteopathy, uh, because I'm not a vet, I cannot do. So I can test the outside of the body and kind of get a picture of what's happening inside and what's causing problems when I palpate the spine. And then I can relay back to Kate, who did go to Texas and did the module on visceral therapy, kind of what I'm feeling. And then she can do the pelvic room exam and, and get in there and we can have a conversation about what's going on. It's really just about getting things moving again on the inside. So she does that for us and it's been really fun and it's fun to collaborate. Kate's always been great to collaborate with. As a whole, being part of a veterinary practice, you come in as a bit of an outsider, but we work with such fabulous people that you don't feel that way. And it's so fun to collaborate with them and to work on cases with them. They've got something that's been stumping them a little bit. And I just offer a different way to look at things sometimes. What a way to do veterinary medicine, to offer something a little bit different, a little bit more holistic. But at the end of the day, like we as body workers have something to offer too. So if we can collaborate instead of doing things behind each other's back, at the end of the day, we're all in it for the same outcome. Like I can't imagine because I'm just thinking of how impactful your work is. And if you're coming in two days after a veterinarian was there and uh, did a lameness workup, identified some stuff, maybe did some treatments, and the two have not communicated. That's kind of a not great for the horse potentially. A lot of money that the owner's spending that they maybe shouldn't have. If you're combining and being more collaborative, you're going to have a better outcome for the horse. No different from the you know veterinarians working with farriers and you know, absolutely. Let's be I part mean, of this healthcare team, as we like to say. In the grand scheme, you know, you get these horses that end up on stall rest with whatever injury and if you can keep their bodies working while they're in that position you're going to have a horse that's more ready to come back to work and with a body that's more prepared to come back to work so it's not just about working on horses that have specific problems immediately together but if you can say if one of our vets reach out and say look I've got this horse that's on Star Wars for the next whatever and it's a big show jumper and how do we keep that body ready to go back to work so that we've got a horse that's healthy faster and sooner. 
let me help you. Absolutely. So I would guess just as we're talking here, just making me think that horses that have gone in for surgical procedures, maybe a colic surgery, even treatments, this could be an, a pretty essential part of the of the rehab of it. Absolutely. Bring them back quicker. Yeah. So uh, obviously with surgery and stuff, we need the okay that we're able to go and work on that animal, but massage can really be tailored to specific cases and specific animals. And you can offer a sense of relief and comfort or just a nice experience too to these horses after surgery. Like you've had a rough go. Like, let me just get my hands on you and make you feel a little bit better for a minute. Sometimes it's not always about let's get them back into the ring as fast as we can. Sometimes it's like you've been through a bit of hell. So how can we make you feel better for a minute? And we are helping you long-term regardless, but it's not always about getting to the next horse show or holding something together. Sometimes it's just about feeling good, appreciated. You feel like crap. Look, I go to surgery. I want somebody to make me feel good for a few days. I mean, there's so much stuff we can do and so many horses we can help in different ways. Absolutely. I find it really fascinating that over the past multiple years, it felt like, and I know we have talked previously about how body workers were kind of like a horse owner's yeah, <laughs> hidden in the closet secret. Like it's something that we didn't really bring forward and how neat that the industry has changed so much that now here you are, a body worker working in conjunction and at a vet practice. That's so cool to see the advancements that have been made. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope it happens more. I hope our own practice gets to the point where we can expand. I hope that even if body workers aren't becoming part of practices, that we just learn to collaborate a little better and not get offended by each other. Again, like I said before, the end goal is the same. So whoever can help at the end of the day, like, does it matter? I have a question for you. So somebody's listening to this and they have a veterinarian uh, who has diagnosed a problem and they have their secret relationship on the side with their body worker yeah. <laughs> and they're worried about bringing up the idea of the body worker to the veterinarian because you're right collaboration is essential we ha that should be the focus we're out there to do what's best for the horse what tips would you give to that horse owner how would they bridge that gap and, and establish a more collaborative relationship so i guess at the end of the day as the horse owner you have to remember that it's your horse and you have to be the advocate for your horse. So if you believe in your body worker and you believe in your veterinarian, then you have to bring the two together. And if somebody's feelings get hurt, that's not on you as a horse owner. That's between them two to figure out. But at the end of the day, I think that the more we do it and the more the collaboration takes place and people stop getting offended by it, I think it just needs to happen more. And people just need to see, oh, you know what? This worked. Nobody's trying to take somebody's job. I can't take the job of a veterinarian and vice versa, but I can't take that job away from them. But let's work together. So you need to reevaluate if the two of them can't work yeah, together. Yeah, because I think it's both sides. I mean, it's sort of like us working at farriers. There's some vets that are great working at farriers. Other farriers, you know, when the vet comes in the situation, they're like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. And so always working to bridge the gap. And, and I like what you said about you are the owner of the horse and you can make the decision. And 100%. If one member is just heels dug in, they're not going to change. I think you have to look at... There's other, there's other good body workers and there's other good vets exactly. out there. So find a team that's going to work for your horse. Yeah. Well said. What horses would benefit from your treatments? Every and all. So the fun thing about massage is it, it can be tailored to kind of everything. So I've got my 
world-class athletes that need the work for obvious reasons. All athletes need to be worked on. But that 30-year-old horse that's been lugging you around for however many years, we can tailor a massage to that too. And, and with great benefit. I mean, if anybody needs it, really. Horses on stall rest are going to benefit. Horses with active injuries that are still working are going to benefit. Because we can kind of tailor it so well. I mean, aside from contraindications, there's not a lot of horses that I would say, oh, don't let's not massage that one, you know? There's no reason not to. Other than the ones you mentioned at the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to work on, yeah, like I said, the contraindications you need to avoid. But ultimately, those horses, once those problems are settled, are the ones you're going to want to work on. So it's just about timing. But anybody can benefit and anybody who's considering it, I mean, just talk to a massage therapist at your horse. What can my horse get from this in my specific situation? And certainly a plan can be worked out that is beneficial in that way. I have all kinds and I love them all. Are there any limitations with regards to horse showing or at various levels? I mean, are there like days before or, you know, I guess there'd be some like, like, are you allowed to do PEMP the day of a show, for example? So I guess there's the regulatory part, just like there's certain drugs that have withdrawals, but there's also what's best for the horse. Like if you do a certain procedure, you know what, you shouldn't do hard work for two or three days or what have you. As of right now, I mean, things are always changing. You can PMF and Beamer and stuff day of. Massage as well. So the thing about massage and osteopathy will be the same is, again, about tailoring it. So if I've got a horse that's got to go in a ring that day, or the next day, can I tailor my massage so they're not going to feel like, oh, that, you know, I did too much work and I've gone too deep and now they're more sore. But if you've got a horse that's showing really hard and that's a bit stiff and, you know, needs some stuff loosened up to get back out there, we can tailor it to that. I can tailor it to that. A good massage therapist can tailor it to that for sure to set it up best to go in the ring that day. Should there be a follow up where actual work is done? Because obviously something is causing the problem here. Absolutely. But we can kind of target what's going to need to be done to get you in the ring that day um, riding again. And I get it all the time. People ask questions about whether or not they can ride their horse the next day. So I just talked about showing, and that's a bit of a different situation. But on the average horse, can I ride the next day? Unless I find something that's a bit triggering and then I've really had to work on or I'm like you should probably see a veterinarian for whatever I'm feeling right now so unless that is happening you can ride the next day but I ask that you're conscientious about how your horse feels if they're just not feeling up to jumping that course or doing some of the harder dressage movements like lay off like let them have their feelings for a couple days because anybody who's had a massage knows like it takes a bit out of you you feel a bit wonky for a bit. Yes, I was thinking of myself personally. Afterwards, I, I try to have my massages at the end of the day after work and I can just go home, no responsibilities. Absolutely. And if they've been compensating for something in their body and now I've kind of unwound some stuff, they're going to feel weird. Like they've been carrying their body in a way to make them more comfortable, which is not the right way. But now I've fixed it so that you can start moving the right way. And it feels weird. So they might feel a bit wonky for a few days. So if you can listen to what your horse is telling you and not feel like you have to go out there or be like, oh, he feels awful after his massage, like maybe he does. <laughs> I'm not out there to make them feel super brilliant the next day. Some are. Some are like, that was the greatest thing. Get on. Let's do this. And some are like, I need four days to recover from what just happened. So it's important to 
over time build that relationship so that I know and we know. So if you are going to a show or you do need to ride in a lesson the next day, we need to tailor stuff or we need to set the appointments so that you've got that three, four days to recover. So it's about knowing your horse and me learning about your horse and just listening a little bit afterwards. I have no problem with you getting on and going for a hack or giving them a lunge or doing some light work, just as long as you're listening to what they need. And at the end of the day, movement is super important. So yes, I want them out moving. So if that means a hand walk or whatever, but don't be afraid that you've got this, you want to ride every day and you're not going to book a massage because of that. We can accommodate. You can still have your ride, but let's just make sure you're paying attention to what your horse needs. Marnie, is there anything we didn't ask that we should have asked? So I think that something that is important to me and that I think is important for people to know or understand is the idea of consent when it comes to me working on horses. So what I mean by that is imagine, for instance, you go to a massage therapist or a doctor and something just really hurts or you're not into it and you're like, no thanks. Like, I can't do this today. It's too much. That doctor or therapist respects that. As a massage therapist, I think it's important for clients to recognize that if I'm treating a horse and they're telling me no, whether it's through body language or just what I'm feeling, or they're just not engaged with me, I'm not going to press the issue. It's not fair. They're telling me no. I will do the best I can to figure out why that's an issue in the first place. And maybe I need to move to other tissue and other areas to help that area, but not go there directly. But I won't force a horse to feel something they're not ready to feel. It's not in my nature. It's not the point. I'm going there to help things and make them feel better. Certainly, I hit the odd knot and they're like, oh, you know, that's that sucks. But go ahead and do it. That's a different situation entirely. You have to be able to to read that. So I'm ever with a client and I'm just, their horse is a bit angry about something and I'm not pressing the issue. I hope that people recognize that that's because I've not been given consent to deal with that issue and I won't do it. There are some therapists out there who will dive in and give her, but there's no point. That's, that's not what body work is about. Obviously, there's an issue there, but maybe it's a deeper issue that we need to talk about. Or maybe that horse needs to be taped for a week to loosen some stuff up and then we can revisit. Or there's a lot of baggage. I mean, horses have a lot of baggage. And they're not ready to be touching the pole yet. So maybe they need to learn to trust me a bit more. Like it's it's a real relationship that we build up. And I think it's important that that's recognized by owners because I will not do it. And I hope other massage therapists recognize that as well. Like if you're being told no, there's a reason. And we have to be fair to them because there's a lot of things that we have to do, especially as veterinarians. There's a lot of things that you have to do which is unfortunate and they yeah, get a bit no standoffish. No horse wants a tube up their nose. Absolutely but not. For a call. It's necessary. So I don't want to be that person. I want them to see me coming and be like, I can trust that this person's going to make me feel better. And if I say no, they're absolutely not going to press the issue. I think it also reflects you as common feedback we get about your work is you're an exceptional horse person and the, the, your ability to read a horse and respond is, is really special. And I think that is why you do such a great job with them. So thank you. Thanks, guys. I would say most of our clients say that their horses see you and they start to chew and just become more relaxed after they've seen you. They're ready. They're like, she's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the whole barn does. They're like. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Marnie. Oh, you're welcome.
And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of our EquiConnect podcast. If you'd like to book an appointment with Marnie, please contact your local McKee Panel Clinic. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship.